Hello, my rebels. Today's podcast, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's almost hard to believe this is real and not some sort of satire. It's a town hall meeting by Microsoft, and it's allegedly about some software product, but everyone spends so much time not just saying their pronouns, but their height and their hair color and their race. I've never seen anything like it. It's one of those podcasts, though, where it would really be great to have the video version of it, because you got to see this with your own eyes. And luckily, we have a video version of this podcast every day. We call it Rebelus Plus. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, month. In addition to my daily show, you get weekly shows from Andrew Chapados, David Menzies, Sheila Gunn-Reed. You get the video format, which is so great. And you get the satisfaction of supporting Rebel News, eight bucks a month. It's not a ton, it's half the price of Netflix, but you know, it adds up for us. And it's one of the reasons we're able to decline any government money from any government. That's why we can tell it like it is. So go to Rebel News Plus and click subscribe. It would be a great favor to me, and I think you'd really like it. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, I want to show you the wokest company in the world. You're going to be embarrassed for them. It's November 5th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. How do you introduce yourself to people? You probably say your name. That's just being normal and friendly so people know what to call you. Maybe so they can associate you with a name they have only seen on an email or a voice they've heard on the phone. Saying your name is just normal human communication. If the nature of your meeting is relevant, you might identify yourself by another characteristic too. If you're at a wedding, you might say how you're related to the happy couple. If you're at a business convention, you might say the company you're with. Useful, relevant, helpful to the other person. But what do you think of this? I swear this is real. Hello everyone, I'm Natalia Gadilla. I'm a Caucasian woman with long blonde hair and I go by she, her. I'm a product marketing lead here at Microsoft and co-host of the podcast Security Unlocked with this guy. Yes, that would be me. Hello, everyone. I'm Nick Fillingham. I'm a Caucasian man with glasses and a beard. I go by he, him, and I'm a security evangelist here at Microsoft. We are so excited to be with you. <laughs> what did we just watch? Here, let's break that down a little bit. I'm a Hello, everyone. I'm Natalie Gadilla. I'm a Caucasian woman with long blonde hair, and I go by she, her. I'm a product marketing lead here at Microsoft and co-host of the podcast Security Unlocked. I'm a Caucasian woman with long blonde hair. Yeah, we, we, we know that. We, we saw that. We just didn't know that you were so self-conscious about it, that it was so important to who you are, that you would tell us that characteristic, which, by the way, we can see for ourselves, before you say anything else about yourself. This is your most important identity, is it? The most relevant, that actually does tell us a lot about you in a way, 
that you're working for Microsoft, but that you really don't think computers or software or frankly, anything productive is the most important thing, but posing being woke and implicitly peer pressuring others into the same wacky custom, that's important to you. That's your job. That's how you get ahead at Microsoft in 2021. Imagine if you actually met someone in real life. Oh, hi, I'm Ezra, I'm uh, five foot nine, I'm uh, embarrassingly heavy and uh, I wear glasses. Like imagine if you were that weird in real life, you would pull back from someone. Only at the very end does she rattle off what she actually does at Microsoft. She hosts a podcast, but of course she does. I guess that's what Microsoft uh, is busy with these days. If you're that woke, uh, let's look at the next clip. This guy. Yes, that would be me. Hello, everyone. I'm Nick Fillingham. I'm a Caucasian man with glasses and a beard. I go by he, him, and I'm a security evangelist here at Microsoft. You're a Caucasian man with glasses and a beard. Is that who you really are? That's your core, that's your essence. Glasses, a beard, did we not just see that for ourselves? Is, is there a meaning to that? Is there an importance to that? Is that some secret code? Should we categorize people along those lines in the future, bearded or not bearded? Where does a mustache fit in? Uh, glasses or no glasses? What about contact lenses? I don't know, do sunglasses count? Suddenly, are we supposed to value these things? Pay attention to these things? Aren't we supposed to ignore such things, especially race? Haven't we just gone through an entire civil rights movement this last half century to get past race and sex? And are you really Caucasian? By the way, what would Barack Obama say? He's half white, his mom. He's half black, his dad. What would he say? What would Tiger Woods say? He has a lot of different ethnic backgrounds. Is it really that important? What percentage of your blood quantum should you identify? Do you have to prove it somehow? Do you have to take a genetics test like 23andMe or some other way to describe yourself that's irrelevant and frankly racist? Do you have to tell the truth? Rachel Dolezal is white. She says she's black. Same with Sean King. You know, this is racist in the purest definition of that word. It is literally saying your race is your essence, your most important thing. Not your brain, not your mind. All our brains are the same color, gray. Isn't the gray matter what counts? I'm suddenly looking at these people up and down in a way I don't think I would do before. Does their clothing matter? Why or why not? The lady described her hair, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering about his hair. Is that a mohawk? Are you allowed to do that or is that cultural appropriation? This is Microsoft, I swear. Here's another excerpt from this madness. Take a look. Hello and welcome to Microsoft Ignite. We've got a big day ahead and lots in store for you. First, we want to acknowledge that the land where the Microsoft campus is situated was traditionally occupied by the Sammamish, the Duwamish, the Snoqualmie, the Suquamish, the Muckleshoot, the Snohomish, the Tulalip, and other Coast Salish peoples since time immemorial, a people that are still here, continuing to honor and bring to light their ancient heritage. 
My name is Allison Wines. I'm a senior program manager in our developer tools division. I'm an Asian and white female with dark brown hair wearing a red sleeveless top. And I'm Seth Juarez, program manager in the AI platform group. I'm a tall Hispanic male wearing a blue shirt, khaki pants. Today we kick off two days of learning more about the latest solutions, exploring how these key innovations can empower you to do great things and connecting with peers from around the world. Welcome to Microsoft Ignite. I actually still don't know what that is uh, because my head is being filled with things that would make a first year grievance studies major at university you know, spin around. You guys are going too far. Let's take a look. Hello and welcome to Microsoft Ignite. We've got a big day ahead and lots in store for you. First, we want to acknowledge that the land where the Microsoft campus is situated was traditionally occupied by the Sammamish, the Duwamish, the Snoqualmie, the Suquamish, the Muckleshoot, the Snohomish, the Tulalip, and other Coast Salish peoples since time immemorial, a people that are still here, continuing to honor and bring to light their ancient heritage. My name is Allison Wines. I'm a senior program manager in our developer tools division. I'm an Asian and white female with dark brown hair wearing a red sleeveless top. Asian and white female, dark brown hair, sleeveless top. I wasn't thinking about her sleeveless top before. Am I supposed to be thinking about it? Um, I think sleeveless tops are, are something that someone who's very confident in their body would wear. Show off strong arms, lean arms if you're fit, if you're really fit. But what if you're really fat? You probably wouldn't wear a sleeveless top, right? Am I supposed to be thinking about those sorts of things in the workplace especially? Are we supposed to be pointing things out like that? You're a computer company, right? Software company? Why does she say she's half white? White is a color. But the other two folks said Caucasian, which is a place around the Caucasus. Just how white is white? Can you be white but not Caucasian? I don't know. Can you be Caucasian but not white? And, and by the way, hair color these days is often engineered. Uh, people dye their hair either to cover up the gray or to get a different look or, or even, I don't know, to be dramatic, like you occasionally see pink hair or green hair. Is that important? How about tattoos, if you have a scar? Like, I know that when police, you know, put out a wanted, they say he has a scar on his chin or he has a visible tattoo. Is, is I, I understand why police do that, but if you work at Microsoft, if you have a scar, do you have to tell people or some other injury? Are you obligated to bring it to the viewer's attention? I, I mean, wasn't that considered rude until like about a minute ago? But I did learn that Dr. Evil has moved to a new lair outside of Tokyo, Japan. Hmm. By the way, I realize that I have a large mole on my face. Where? <laughs> what? Where's that mole? <laughs> I didn't see one. I also realize the irony that I am myself a mole. No one would make that connection. Anyway. <laughs> Well done, old chap. Jolly good work. Yes, nice to mole you. Meet you. Nice to meet you, mole. Don't say mole. Stop. I said mole. Stop. Bye. Mole. 
魔王魔王シャカモレモレモレモレモレ I'm five foot nine and I have a mole. Yeah. Let me guess if you can make people talk about irrelevant, even private characteristics like that, you can probably make them disclose, I don't know, how many vaccine shots and boosters they took. I mean, seriously, why are you making everyone disclose their race, their other personal details? I think that's really weird. I was immediately distracted by the half dozen indigenous tribes that were mentioned, by the way. Now, I actually know a few of those, believe it or not. If you ever drive down from Vancouver in Canada into Washington State, you go through、uh, a lot of places that, you know, that are named after these tribes. I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm actually interested in, in those things. I don't honestly believe Microsoft is. I, I think they're just trying to outwoke the other guy. I think people who were watching this video wanted to learn about something called Microsoft Ignite, whatever that is. I don't believe that lady who rattled off those names of tribes, I don't believe she knows or actually cares about those tribes, just a hunch. I think she was just reciting it the same way she was talking about her sleeveless shirt and the color of her hair. My point is, I don't care about her sleeveless shirt, but she mentioned it with the Exact same importance and gravity with which she mentioned the Indian tribes, which is to say, it's pretty clear she really doesn't give a damn about them any more than what shirt she's wearing that day. But we haven't heard about how tall or short anyone is yet. Are they heightist? Is that a word? Here, take a look. And I'm Seth Juarez, program manager in the AI platform group. I'm a tall Hispanic male wearing a blue shirt, khaki pants. Today, we kick off two days of learning more about the latest solutions, exploring how these key innovations can empower you to do great things, and connecting with peers from around the world. So, he's a tall Hispanic male in a blue shirt and khaki pants. Why is he the first person who mentioned his height? I don't get the rules here. And why didn't he describe his hair? Is, are any of these things optional? Is there like you have to list four things about yourself and you can choose the color of your shirt if, if you want? I don't know. You know, Microsoft used to be a wonderful leading American company. I suppose it still does some things well. I don't know.、I'm, I, I don't think I use a lot of Microsoft stuff anymore. But I remember when I was much younger, when personal computers became really popular, Microsoft made the operating system. MS DOS is what it was called. That was used on all the IBM personal computers.、And、there were really two approaches to personal computers Apple and IBM PCs. And Microsoft made the operating system for the IBM PCs, personal computers. By the way, where are IBM personal computers now, all the ones that used to run on Microsoft? IBM used to be so huge in the personal computer market. But do you remember? They sold their com personal computer business to China in 2005. America sold one of its pioneering personal computer companies to China. I don't know, I guess at least they paid for it, unlike how Huawei just stole all the intellectual property from Canada's Nortel. They stole it, hacked it, and then destroyed the company, at least with 
Lenovo, they just paid for IBM's computers. I'm pretty sure that Huawei's tech labs and Lenovo's headquarters, I'm pretty sure when they have company conferences, they don't identify themselves by their height or hair color or ethnicity. Then again, there really isn't a lot of diversity in those companies, not even other Chinese ethnic groups like Uyghur Muslims or Tibetans. I don't think you'd see a lot of Tibetans working for Huawei, or at least not publicly. Now, I never want us to treat minorities the way China's dictatorship treats minorities, but what we've seen here from Microsoft, while not as evil, is much more absurd, turning humans into nothing but race and sex and gender and hairstyle and height and sleeves on or off. It's madness. It's decadent. It's what Rome must have looked like in its final years before it fell. Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, you know, we talk about the pandemic a lot because it's the worst civil liberties crisis ever to hit Canada. Perhaps the worst thing ever to hit Canada since uh, the two world wars, which cost so many lives. I don't know if the pandemic itself will cost as many lives, but it certainly ruined millions, even if it hasn't killed them. I'm speaking, of course, about the lockdowns and the response to the virus. The virus itself is slightly worse than the annual death toll from the flu. But we do fight other fights and talk about other things. And you might recall that in the province of Alberta, a couple years ago, before the pandemic was a thing, we were worried about the education minister in the former NDP provincial government. His name was David Egan, and he was just awful. He first came to my attention as some crazy, childish, juvenile, anti-oil sands protester. And when I learned he was appointed to cabinet, I was terrified for that reason. Here's just a reminder of just how awful David Egan is at anything. Take a look. No new approvals. No new approvals. No new approvals. No new approvals. Minister Egan, do you feel responsible for making an entire generation? Do you work for him? So are you partly responsible for the 40% of grade 9 students who failed math? Minister Egan, can you tell me why you posed next to a bunch of children flagging the ISIS symbol? Maybe next step, next election, you could work on disability stuff. Yes, yes, well, absolutely. Please. You betcha, absolutely. Good luck with that. Can you tell me why one of your staffers just tried to lift my camera off my shoulder? Do you feel at all responsible for the 40% of grade 9 math students who failed under your watch? I told you he doesn't have a comment today. He was just here for the students. Did you enjoy the billboard on the side of Highway 2? No? Well, you can imagine that guy being in charge of education and how what students were learning in Alberta began to plummet. And so we erected a billboard along the side of the highway. That's a move we like to do, especially in Alberta. And it was a very simple message to fire Egan fired David Egan. As you may know, only one person can fire a cabinet minister. That's Rachel Notley herself. 
Obviously, she wasn't going to do it, but we wanted to express our point of view. However, the NDP and their uh, elections commissioner at the time liked to stamp out any such dissent. And although we put that billboard up at a time when an election wasn't even months away, this was definitely not during the election, the elections commissioner, handpicked by Rachel Notley to hunt her enemies, came in for the kill and investigated us and condemned us and reprimanded us and threatened to fine us. Well, obviously we appealed, and that was in the Court of Appeal today. And joining us now is our friend Sheila Gunn-Reed, our chief reporter, who was following the hearing in the Court of Appeal. Sheila, great to see you again. I'm not sure if I summed up all the important details, but basically that billboard so irritated the Rachel Notley government that they had some bizarre witch hunt trying to ban us from saying that, claiming it was an illegal political campaign expression or something, right? Yeah, and it's even more complicated than that because it comes down to... uh, the ability for all Albertans to be treated fairly under the law. Because what happened to us, if you look at the timeline, it really was a witch hunt, but witches at least get the show trial. We didn't even get that. And that was the real problem here. Today, we were appealing a judicial review of the initial decision because we wanted a judicial review to point out that we had really had been treated unfairly. And I I should explain that before we get a little further because it is so complicated, but it comes right down to freedom of of speech and being able to be treated fairly. What happened was we put this billboard up at the end of November, 2018. By the middle of December, sort of towards the middle latter part of December, so we're headed into the Christmas season and don't kid yourself, government workers are not doing any hard work towards the end of December. But we get a letter in the mail saying, We've opened an investigation into your billboard and we want you to register your opinions as third-party advertisers. Well, we're not third-party advertisers, we're journalists. And we just do uh, the expression of our opinions in a more creative way than in the dying medium of print media. We Sometimes we do billboards, which is what we did. So we get our lawyers involved by I wrote it down January 9th. So right after Christmas holidays, we send them an email some or a letter some three weeks later saying, buckle up, we're going to fight. Five days later, on January 14th, we get a lawyer from Lauren Gibson, the now fired elections commissioner, who says in his email, it is regarding, um, how do we, they put it here, um, a notice of adverse findings and a proposed fine. And so we get a letter just five days after we say, look, yep, we're lawyered up, we're ready to fight. We've got evidence we wanna show you. Let's do this, let's do this. They say, oh, by the way, we've already found you guilty. Here's your notice of adverse findings and the proposed fine, which for us is like the cops coming to your door and saying, Oh, by the way, we found you guilty. The only thing we need to discuss now is whether you're going to get the electric chair or the firing squad. That's all they wanted from us. And so we said that's unfair. And that's where this all comes from. You know, Sheila, I remember that because I remember getting that letter. It was right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, Elections Alberta said, get back to us like on Christmas Eve or something. Yeah. And I knew that was a bunch of BS because they weren't working then. But I did pass it on to our Alberta lawyers right away. And mm -hmm. they wrote to the government and said, it's Christmas. We'll get back to you, you know, early. We're involved. We're here. We're not evading this. We're going to make a representation. And the yeah. election commissioner acknowledged that. And we hired one of the best media lawyers in Alberta. So everything was fine. And then we were stunned when days later, without a hearing, without hearing our side of the story, Nothing. without getting the facts, they convicted us, even though our lawyer just said, hey there, we've been hired, we're ready to engage with you. We get this finding of an is adverse finding, that's legalese for you're convicted. And you're right, the only question was, we've convicted you, now just give us your opinion on how bad the punishment <laughs> should be. We suggest $3,000, if I'm remembering correctly. Now we... Yeah. Immediately it's appealed 5, 000, that. 5,000, I think. 5,000. And they said, okay, well, you know, um, geez, you're taking us to a real court. Some grown-up judge is actually going to review what we did here. Uh, yeah, yes. can you make that go away? We'll just call it a reprimand, okay, guys? Please don't sue. I don't take reprimands mm -hmm. from bureaucrats on my ability or the ability of our staff to criticize politicians. I'm sorry, I don't take fines, I don't take jail terms, and I don't even take reprimands from some nobody bureaucrat telling us what we can or can't say. So um, someone might say, Ezra, why are you fighting in court? We're already at the Court of Appeal of Alberta. Mm -hmm. Why are you spending thousands of dollars to go to the Court of Appeal of Alberta when there was literally no fine here? It was just a reprimand because they backed down uh, when we lawyered up, because I do not believe that I need a reprimand from the government when I speak out or my team speaks out. And the fact that they convicted us without a hearing, it was a secret trial to which we were not even invited. I remember it now that you described the details. I remember mm -hmm. laughing as if they were going to hear the thing over Christmas, but we wrote back anyways and said, we're hiring the top lawyer. And they said, okay, fine. Like they literally said, that's fine. We've got your lawyer's info. They convicted us at a secret trial. And that's what this hearing in the Court of Appeal is about. Our secret trials, when someone is not invited to them, is that now kosher in Canada? I say it's not. Well, and it's even worse because the elections commissioner, whose position does not exist anymore because it was so partisan and political, he serves as the investigator, the adjudicator, the jury, and the hangman. So yeah. he... How is there any sort of separation between the duties of this person? We literally got an, a, a letter showing the mixing of these duties. I've investigated you. I found you guilty. Now I'm going to issue a fine. There was no point where an uninterested third party could ever say, whoa, 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 let's make sure the process is being followed here. None of that ever happened for us. And that's why we are appealing because we think that none of this is fair and it's so important to appeal it now because we're getting very close to the next election yeah. and there are critics of this government all over the place from the left and the right and this sort of stuff will be used to silence them too because who in their right mind fights a reprimand but us they're yeah. going to use fines to shut up other people yeah you, and that's the thing i mean we are involved in a lot of battles at rebel news and very few of them make financial sense. 
<laughs> I mean, I'll be honest none. with you. Uh, <laughs> fighting against a five thousand dollar fine, which was their first proposal, if I recall, I thought it was three thousand. You say it's five thousand. I think you're probably right. Even that doesn't make financial sense. Show me a lawyer who's going to fight a battle for five thousand dollars. You're not going to find one. I, I bet we spent ten thousand in court today, maybe fifteen or twenty. Yeah, and by the way, we got a great lawyer, and I'm happy to pay it. He's doing a great job. Yep. But why would we go to the Court of Appeal? There were three judges there today. You were live tweeting yep. it. I was following you live tweeting. Who in their right mind would spend, and you're right, it was for sure $10,000 in court today, fighting a reprimand. That's all it was, a reprimand. Mm -hmm. Why would you do that? Because can you imagine if this becomes acceptable precedent that the government can condemn anyone for having a political expression a year before the election on a billboard that you have to go to court, that they're going to have a secret trial where they don't invite. Can you imagine letting that be? And I want to say that although it was the elections officer who was in court against us, that's a creature of the government of Alberta. So I want to say that Jason Kenney's government could have stopped this, could have ordered them not to fight our appeal, but they're fighting us in the Court of Appeal today is a decision that the Alberta government, the so-called conservative government of the UCP government, supports. Don't think for a second that they couldn't have said, all right, that was Rachel Notley's mess. We're not getting into that. We don't support Rachel Notley's censorship. We don't support what Rachel Notley's handpicked boss did. No, no, no. Jason Kenney and his justice minister have absolutely continued this fight from three years ago, launched by Rachel Notley. That tells you so much, doesn't it? Well, and let me just point out just how political this was, because the complaint against us didn't even come from a passerby, somebody who drove past the billboard and didn't like it. It came out in court that the Complaints came from the chief electoral officer to the elections commissioner, which prompted the investigation against us. So it came from inside the house. Yeah. You know what? It's I right. As I said at the top of this uh, segment, the pandemic is taking up 70, 80, 90 percent of our attention, not the virus itself, but the reaction to it, the lockdowns, the restrictions on our civil liberties, the forced uh, vaccinations. But I do believe that the number two issue in Canada is censorship. It's unusual to see censorship of a billboard, but unfortunately it's going to be commonplace to see censorship online. And as we continue to fight against vaccine passports, just today I said to, uh, to our legal team, keep your eye on censorship. That is the next big move by Justin Trudeau, by the parties of the left, and as Jason Kenney proved today in court, by the so-called conservatives too. Last word to you, Sheila. Well, the rot still exists because the chief electoral officer under Rachel Notley is the same one under Jason Kenney, and that's the same one that issued the complaint that prompted the investigation against us. So that's why this fight in court is so important. We need to beat these people so that all of us can be free to express our opinions however we see fit in the coming election campaign. And boy, I think there's going to be a bunch of opinions about Jason Kenney coming up. Yeah. Well, let me put Jason Kenney and his crooked election commissioner on notice. Uh, 
if they're freaking out over one billboard, strap yourself in, fellas, because you have no <laughs> idea how much opinion expressing is coming your way from Rebel News. And um, we won't take a fine and we won't even take a reprimand because it's not, it is not the government's place to reprimand the citizens. It's our place to reprimand the government. And the reprimand that is coming to Jason Kenney and his UCP MLAs uh, is biblical in nature and uh, in scale and scope. And I think we're looking at a Kim Campbell 1993 wipeout for those of my vintage who know that mighty party was taken down to two seats. If there were an election in Alberta today, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, the governing conservatives lost all but a half dozen of their seats and deservedly so. Sheila, thanks for watching uh, the trial and live tweeting it. I, um, I hope we win. Because it's not about the reprimand or about the money. It's about the no. the precedent. And hopefully the Court of Appeal still believes in freedom of speech. We're about to find out. Yeah, it was um, it was an interesting day in court today. The judges were very engaged. At first, I thought maybe they don't like our lawyer. They're being really hard on him. But they were hard on the government's lawyer, too, asking a lot of questions. And I think that shows that they remain open-minded and that their minds are not already made up. Well, I sure hope so. All right, Sheila, great work. Thanks for your help. Thanks, boss. There you have it, Sheila Gunn-Reed, our chief reporter. And um, this battle's not done. I mean, the Court of Appeal, uh, it's not the highest court. It's the highest court in Alberta, but of course, the Supreme Court of Canada is higher. If we lose in the Court of Appeal, we will seek leave to appeal to the Supreme Court. Now, the Supreme Court does not have to take this case if they don't think it's of importance. But I think it's important. I mean, it's obviously not about the money or the reprimand itself. It's does a government have to actually let you come to your own trial or are secret trials where you're not invited good enough. I really think that's something the Supreme Court should take. Well, that's it for that segment. Stay with us up next, your, or my final thoughts. I'll give you some thoughts on that Microsoft business. That's next. Hey, welcome back. I, wasn't that Microsoft? Th I, I swear I thought it was a fake. There's, these days it's hard to tell because it's easy to get a YouTube video going and there's a lot of satirical websites out there. I thought that was something from The Onion or from the Babylon Bee. That was really Microsoft. Isn't that crazy? Well, listen, if you're in the Toronto area, I want to invite you to our next Civil Liberties Town Hall. It's on November 17th at the Canada Christian College. And the guest speaker, it's amazing, John Stossel, the great investigative journalist and civil liberties leader from America. I'll be there too, so will Julie Panessi and Charles McVitie. Get your tickets. You can get tickets to go there to Whitby, Ontario at thedemocracyfund.ca. Or if you like, you'll be able to watch from Zoom from anywhere around the world. I'm not sure if that link is live on thedemocracyfund.ca, but I know the tickets in person are. So check it out if you're in the greater Toronto area. It's wonderful events. We've had three of them already so far. We had um, Tucker Carlson. We had Glenn Beck. I guess this is the third one, come to think of it. So I hope you join us. Anyways, I want to end with our video of the day. This is from Lewis Brackpool, our newest reporter in the United Kingdom. He was up there in Glasgow, and he did this story on Extinction Rebellion, which is a bigger deal in Europe than it is here in Canada. 
So I'll say goodbye to you now. Have a great weekend. Keep fighting for freedom. And let me leave you with this video from our friend Lewis. You know, so what, what's the point in all of this? Yeah, yeah. Look at look at this, yeah. you know. Police escort as well. Look at that. What do you... Oh, no, I can't get that. Look at that. Big police escort as well. That's huge for Extinction Rebellion. General, um, the, the idea is that civil disobedience is kind of the way to go. So if you think about, for example, the feminist movements, um, if you... Fasting, hunger strikes, like... For example, these yeah, kinds yeah. of things. Um, Standing in roads and that. Surely if they wanted to cut on carbon emissions and net zero, zero oh, okay. CO2, surely that they would practice what they preach okay. by not flying here on private jets, getting chauffeured in 85 cars the other day with Joe Biden. You know, what's your thoughts on that? Right? Well, it is important, I think, to be together. Um, and there's, Zoom is brilliant, yeah, yeah. but there's a lot of things that you can't do over Zoom. So this is Lewis Brackpool for Rebel News. And in today's report, I'm going to be pointing out the complete hypocrisy from climate activists. I've been going around talking to various climate activists, including trying to have a discussion with XR members, Extinction Rebellion, who don't seem to have all the right answers. But before we get started, I just want to say a big thank you to all the Rebel News viewers out there that have been really contributing and helping me out to make this trip to Glasgow happen. We know that other mainstream media outlets will not point out any of these hypocrisies. So heading on over to rebelun.com to see the hypocrisies play out. So please head on over to rebelun.com. That's what it is. In general, um, the, the idea is that civil disobedience is kind of the way to go. So if you think about, for example, the feminist movements, um, if you... Fasting, hunger strikes, like... For example, these yeah, yeah, yeah. kinds of things. Um, Standing in roads and that. Locking yourself to fences or yeah, yeah, yeah. gluing yourself to a bank. Gluing. I glue myself. Oh, <laughs> Do you regret the, the gluing? Are you, are you um, yeah, it's, it's not one of my better moves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. But it, it was to sort of make a statement that things are fairly... Critical. What does XR think about um, world leaders coming here on like private jets, Range Rovers, and they're preaching this whole like carbon footprint, we should do better, but they're not preaching what they preach. Yeah. So XR is a decentralized movement, yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. not like one XR that thinks, thinks something, but it's right. every rebel kind of thinks their own things, obviously. Every rebel. Um, yeah, okay. Extinction Rebellion, right? Oh, right, oh, right. Yeah, um, yeah, I get you. I'll go so um, I personally think. Uh, that there could have been other ways to do this. Zoom For example, Zoom calls, right? We've yeah. got good so the question was really, wouldn't it be easier if all the elites just stayed at home to save them carbon emissions? Nothing's easy about changing the world. Right. This is the biggest transformation society has ever mm -hmm. seen in the whole history of humanity. Mm -hmm. There's nothing easy about it. Nobody suggested it was easy. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard and it's going to take us to work across uh, people collectively, whether right. you're, you're that area of society or that area of society or that area of society. It doesn't yeah. matter. But what's important is that we all collectively decide to take action right now because the climate crisis is the biggest crisis that humanity faces. We Should haven't got time 
We don't have time to sit and debate. We need to take action right now. Shouldn't they collectively uh, practice what they preach? Uh, well, I think uh, it, it's up to us. It's up to all of us. It's up to the people, uh, us, we the people, to yeah. tell the governments that, you know, because the government set the rules, obviously, sure. that, um, you know, that they should do it in the right way. So then why is it that they're getting together and now lecturing us plebs on how to live our lives when they can't even practice what they preach? No, no, I think it's really important that the governments do sort this problem out. Um, it, they're, not, they're not practicing what they preach, though. Well, OK, ask the question a different way. Well, no, I've just asked you. Surely if they wanted to cut on carbon emissions and net zero, oh, zero okay. t CO2, surely that they would practice what they preach by not flying here on private jets, getting chauffeured in 85 cars the other day with Joe Biden. You know, what's your thoughts on that? Right? Well, it is important, I think, to be together. Um, and there's, Zoom is brilliant, yeah, yeah. but there's a lot of things that you can't do over Zoom. We could have this discussion oh, yeah. over Zoom. Well, we're not. I, I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> sure. Uh, and I know that there's only so much energy you can get off the internet. I'm and not being, talking necessarily being, being about together, us. Being together, being together, <laughs> right. it's really important to be able to look somebody in the eye mm. and to be able to understand them. So I think it is important that people are together. I think it's, it's right that the leaders are here together to try to fix the biggest, the biggest crisis that we face. You say the people, though. We're talking about just a bunch of world leaders. They could have easily stayed at home. We're the ones that are bearing the brunt of this. So surely if they practice what they preached and set an example, surely the people would follow. Well, it's just my view. It's just my view. Right. I think that the people, the, the leaders, and they apparently are our leaders, uh, that they should sit in the same room and they should look each other in the eye to solve this crisis. I don't think you can do it over Zoom. You could, technically. I don't think so. No? That's just my view. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Cool. No, I really appreciate well. that. So you just had an altercation with those climate activists back there. Uh, and I obviously heard a little bit about what you were saying. What's your overview view on this COP26? The view here is it's the money it's spent on it could have went to save the planet instead of having this. The amount of police officers here, 10,000 police officers, who most of them are very abrupt, ignorant and cheeky. Local residents can't get, can't get walking the local area because of this. The roads are shut down. The roads are closed. Yeah. Yeah. Everything, shops are closing early yeah. because because there's no trade. Yeah. So there's money getting lost while all the politicians who are liars are gaining. Right. Always gaining. Do you think it would have been easier if they just stayed at home and done this via Zoom? Without a doubt. There would have been a lot of money. Well, that gentleman back there was saying, well, you can't look someone in the eye on Zoom. So what's your thoughts well, on that? Well, maybe you can look them in the eye. But if you look one of the politicians in the eye in there, you've got to get the same as you get yeah. on Zoom. It's yeah. lies. Would you agree that it's us that bear the brunt of this, yes. the plebs, yes. not them? So, And they're not practising what they preach? Of course they don't. They definitely don't. It's, it's, it's just local, normal people who get a brunt of it all the time. They're sitting there, big fancy cars, flying in, flying back out, wind and dined and plenty of money in their pocket. And we've got to go to work. And trying to get to work yeah. is maybe putting an hour, an hour to an hour and a half on on your travelling time because all the roads are closed. Could you give us your opinion on these protesters that have been uh, walking along the street and blocking all the traffic? Seriously, mate, who has the time? <laughs> who has the time? Honest to God, it's like... 
go get a job. <laughs> Seriously, mate, go go get a job, man. Like, look at them. They're just marching along. Look at this. We're stuck in traffic now. Yeah. You know, we're stuck in traffic. So come on, like, think about us workers and things. We yeah. need to make a living out here. You know, we can't make a living because simply because of that. Look yeah. at that. You know, absolute chaos. Do you think? Do you think they're marching and blocking traffic is actually going to? Uh, you uh, know, mate, this job would take five ten minutes. <laughs> this is going to take twenty minutes to half an hour now. <laughs> That's what it's going to be like. So. Do you, uh, do you think that this is, because it's I believe it's for the climate, um, do you think that it's going to make a difference, them it's doing not, this? It's not going to make a difference, mate. You, you really think politicians are going to listen to them? They're not. You know, they're here. They're here just to show the world, oh, yeah, we care. Even the politicians, there's, there's not going to be any result from this. No. There's not going to be any result, you know. Big Boris said that as well. You know, he, he, he came out saying, I'll be very surprised if... Uh, I'll be very surprised if this clicks. Mm. You know, so what? what's the point in all of this? Yeah, yeah. Look at look at this, yeah. you know. Police escort as well, look at that. What do you, oh no, I can't get that. Look at that, big police escort as well. That's huge for Extinction Rebellion. That's the biggest police escort I've ever seen. What are your thoughts, man? Again, who has the time, mate? <laughs> who has the time, honestly? Wow, look at that. Look at all these police look at, right look here. Look at all this. Look at all my... I can't believe this. I can't believe this. What do you think? Do you think all this is great for the environment? Definitely not. <laughs> oh, being stuck oh wow. Traffic. Oh, it's being stuck. Look at that. All look at that. Traffic. How are they helping the climate? You know how are they helping the climate? I don't get it. It's all, it's, all, it's all a bit of a shit show, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's what it is, man. And furthermore, Glaswegians have been urged to open up their homes to COP26 attendees, where 700 households have signed up to a homestay system. Just give up your, your house for two weeks for some climate activists. Why not? They definitely need to borrow your shower, that's for sure. Also at the United Nations Climate Change Conference, they've shut off hot water in a bid to be more sustainable. <laughs> Doesn't sound very hygienic to me. I thought they cared about COVID and washing their hands. And I'm sure you've seen the video that I created the other day that's been going viral recently of a let's do net zero sign being projected on a bridge powered by a petrol generator made by Honda. I mean, the, the hypocrisy speaks for itself really, doesn't it? We are still yet to see more information on policy on what this event will uncover. And I have a prediction that it could be very, very sinister. Sinister in a sense that it could impede your freedoms in the near future. Could be a climate lockdown. It could even be a reduction in red meat consumption. But it could also mean MasterCard's new unveiled card, where if you go over your carbon emission that is tracked, it will bar you from spending your own hard-earned cash. And my prediction is we could see from the James Bond villain himself, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, where he might pitch his own disturbing, dystopian, mentally ill ideas at the conference. Now, I just want to live in a society where the government is off my back and protects my rights, not infringes upon them. And I don't want to live in some weird metaverse where Mark Zuckerberg reports me because I don't agree with him on climate change. It's nuts. So I know I keep banging on about it, but with all these world leaders being funded by you, the taxpayer, is this what you really want? To be told to build back better without knowing what better even means? Are you really prepared to embrace this new normal? once under the guise of COVID and soon to be under the guise of climate change. 
This has been Lewis Brackpool reporting for Rebel News in Glasgow, the UN Climate Change Conference. Thank you.